So the last 10 weeks, I think, we've been talking about being filled and how the Holy Spirit comes and fills us at that moment we receive Christ. And then every time, you know, we, we want to, every time we need him to, every time we give him access, he's ready to fill us more. And so as we give out, he fills up, right? As we pour out, he fills up. And so we've been talking for weeks about being filled with the Spirit and what that means and how to do that. Now we're going to turn the corner into the next part of our series, and it's going to be called Poured. So from this point forward, we're going to be talking about um, how the Holy Spirit wants to work through us. You know, he doesn't just want to fill us so that we become, you know, Christians that are just full (laughs) all the time. He wants us to pour it out. He wants us to give it away. Then he keeps filling. That's why he's a spring. He's not a lake. He's a spring, right? And keeps filling us as we keep pouring out. So tonight, uh, we're excited to be, to be able to talk to one, about one way that you can do that, and that is by understanding what your motivational gifts are. Last week, we talked about spiritual gifts. This week, we want to talk about motivational gifts. And I don't know if you've noticed, but this church is blessed with volunteers. Like, we have... Hundreds, literally hundreds of volunteers that work in all areas of ministry across our church. It takes dozens of volunteers to do just what we do on the weekend, not to mention what happens throughout the week. And that doesn't just happen by chance. You know, people start attending our church, and then we always push them and invite them and cajole them to get in the game, right? Use your gift. And the way that we do that is we have this wonderful woman named Ramona, who, who every person that wants to volunteer here comes through Ramona and she takes them through. She takes you through training. She takes you through shape. She helps you understand your spiritual gifts, your motivational gifts, your personality, all for the purpose that you could be poured out, that you could be used a little bit more by God out there in your career, out there in the community, but also in our church. And I don't know if you know this, but you're at your best when that gift in you comes to life. And that gift in you gets used. And so that's what Ramona is going to talk to us about tonight. I invite her to come and share because we need to hear from her. This is her passion. This is what she does. This is who she is. She is our resident expert on helping people reach their potential in the Lord's gifts. So would you welcome Ramona Stump to the platform tonight? Thank you, Pastor Kurt. Such an honor to get to share with you tonight. And I always like to start by acknowledging my best volunteer, my husband, Paul. (laughs) He gets roped into so many things, and I just tell him, hey, honey, I'm going to double your pay. (laughs) Sometimes that works. I don't know. (laughs) Well, the title of our new series, as Pastor Kurt just said, is Poured. And we're going to talk tonight about how the how God, through the Holy Spirit, pours into us so we can pour out to other people. I love that. It's just amazing to think that the creator of the universe cares about us so much that he would like to partner with us and use us and work through us to bless other people. Isn't that special? And last week after Pastor Kurt talked about spiritual gifts, I noticed some of you went online and took the spiritual gifts test that we have. And that's awesome. I love that. Because it's important for you to kind of go in and and get a broad, a general idea of what your gifting is, what God might have called you to be and do while you're here. Um, And we love quizzes, don't you? I encourage you all to go take that quiz if you have time this week. Um, It won't take very long. gives you instant feedback. It's kind of like those quizzes on Facebook or BuzzFeed, except that this gives you useful information. (laughs) You won't find out what kind of dog you are. (laughs) 
<laughs> you won't find out, right? And you won't find out what kind of comic book hero you might be. But it will give you clues and information about how God specifically designed you uniquely on purpose for a purpose. It's wonderful. Um, marketing agencies love quizzes because people can't pass them by especially the ones that talk about your personality or your preferences. We are so drawn. We are compelled to find out what's special about us. What's different? You know, why do I matter? And sometimes people go to really silly places to find those answers. I know back, um, way, way back in the dark ages, before I was a Christian in my worldly before Christ days, my friends and I would eagerly look forward to reading the horoscope every day. I almost hate saying the word horoscope in church, just kind of icky, because I know that God created the heavens and the earth. I know that now and the stars in the sky to display his glory, not for us to use them to try to predict the future and say what kind of person we are. I didn't know that at the time, though. And so my friends and I would eagerly read it every day and then we'd compare notes and we'd get such wisdom like um, today. You might meet someone who might have something to say that may be significant. Maybe. And we'd go, oh my goodness, that's uncanny. That happened. Can you believe it? It was just so silly. So silly. We didn't know back then. We were just looking for quick answers, but we didn't know that there was a God who loved us and who had the answers. We didn't know that he had a plan for our lives. We didn't know any of that stuff, and, and we wouldn't know that until we finally got rid of those silly star charts and our silly ways of believing and doing things, and we invited Jesus Christ to be Lord of our lives, and the Holy Spirit came in to guide us. So, yeah, so we learn. We learn and grow. So last week, Pastor Kurt talked about the gifts that tend toward the miraculous the ones that the Holy Spirit pours out through us that God uses as he wills to manifest, to show his glory and his power to a needy and watching world. They're kind of the wow gifts. It's very exciting when you're privileged to be used in that way. But this week, our focus is going to be on Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8, which we call the motivational gifts. And they function a little differently than the gifts we talked about last week. Let's look at the scripture together. Romans 12, 6 through 8. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. And if God has given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness for others, do it gladly. So now here's a quiz. I have a quiz for you. See if you were paying attention. Who gives the gifts? Very good. That's really good. (laughs) You're high achievers on Sunday night, Pastor Kurt says. (laughs) Yeah. So now what kinds of gifts does he give you? Different. Oh, you guys did better than the morning services. There was kind of this awkward silence in the morning. But very good. Yeah, different gifts for doing certain things well. God gives us different gifts and abilities. So these seven gifts are sometimes called the motivational gifts. They motivate us. 
they drive how we see things and do things. Now, you won't find the words motivational gifts in the scriptures. Believe me, I looked. (laughs) I looked everywhere because I didn't want to handle the word wrongly, you know. But people who have studied spiritual gifts, who have drilled down deep into that subject, believe that's the best way to describe how these, these gifts function. That's why they're called the motivational gifts. They motivate us. They're built into us, and they drive our personality and the issues we're interested in and the choices we make even before we are aware of them, even before we become Christians. They're working in us in a small, subtle way. Don and Katie Fortune, who wrote a a well-respected guide called Discover Your God-Given Gifts, um, say that God has built at least one of these motivational gifts, at least one, into each person. They're just part of who you are. They're part of what they call your spiritual DNA. It's wonderful. You're born with it. And although at that time your gifts are not fully deployed, they're dormant, a little bit dormant within you, they do influence us. They do influence us. Some of us will share the same gift. I mean, there are only seven, and there are lots of us, right? We'll have the same gift, but we wear it differently. We wear it differently. So if you've ever taken Mark Warren's excellent class called The Calling Corps, anybody taken that? Yes, and you learn in that class that you should be working in your core areas, not in the chore areas so much. I mean, sometimes we have to do that. But he says you should work in your core areas, and those core areas align with your motivational gifts. Very important. Now, motivational gifts will only come into full power and effectiveness when we accept Christ and the Holy Spirit comes to live within us. When we accept Christ, immediately the Holy Spirit fills us. And that's the catalyst, the spark of change that needs to happen within us in order to bring this dormant seed alive. Some of you have heard about plants that only come alive after a forest fire, right? Anybody heard of those? Yeah, that's right. They need heat in order to activate. The seeds will lay dormant underground, sometimes for decades. Decades. They wait there waiting until a forest fire rages through and burns everything away and the heat is intense and that causes the seed to sprout and then to grow. We have a picture up there of lodgepole pines. This is in Yellowstone Park. After the 1988 fire, there were a whole bunch of lodgepole pines birthed at that time, brought into being because of the fire. And in the same way, God plants within each of us this this seed and it's dormant. And it's uniquely designed for you. And it stays protected and sheltered and waiting until the fire of the Holy Spirit comes into your life. Until you receive Christ and the Holy Spirit comes in and that that activates the seed to sprout. And your gift begins to be more active and it begins to grow and grow and flourish into maturity until it is what God fully intended it to be, to bring him glory. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) But maturity takes time. And even after you identify your gift, even after you know what it is, you need to put it into practice. You can't get as much from it if you're using it in isolation. We need to be together. We need to see how it fits together with the whole church, the whole body of Christ. And that's important to getting your gift to grow and flourish like we talked about. 
Now, in a minute, we're going to talk about how you fit in the body of Christ and what the different gifts are. But first, I think you need to understand the why. Why does God bother to do this? Why does he bother to plant a gift within us? And the first reason is because he loves us. He loves us. It's a wonderful thing. God loves us so much, and he's given us different gifts for doing certain things well. The word for gifts in this passage is charisma in the Greek. And that means it's a grace gift. It's undeserved. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it at all. God just gives it to us because he loves us. Isn't that wonderful? God loves to give us gifts. In fact, the first gift he gives us, we all get, is the gift of life. He gives us the gift of life. And at that same time, he's planting that seed, that dormant seed of your motivational gift within you. And then, later in life, if we decide that we want to invite Jesus Christ to be our Lord, if we want to surrender our life to him, we get the gift of eternal life. And then we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then that gift activates this gift. And it becomes, it grows and flourishes. And we become part of this wonderful cycle, this beautiful cycle of receiving and giving and pouring out to bless God's people and to bring fame to God's name. That's what it's all about. God loves to give us gifts, and that's one of the reasons he plants the motivational gifts within us. The second reason is because God loves the church. And I don't mean just North County Christ the King, (laughs) this church. You know, we're not the only ones who are going to heaven. I'm sorry. (laughs) But the whole church, all the churches, all the people who believe in Christ and who have surrendered to him as Lord, God loves the church, loves it so much. The whole chapter of Romans 12 teaches us about these gifts and they're bracketed, they're, they're bookended or surrounded by scripture verses that tell us how to use the gifts properly. So in Romans chapter 12 through 1 Romans chapter 12 1 through 5 that's where you get the instructions about the heart that you should have when you're serving in your gifts. And I want you to take your notes right now. And I've noticed not people people are not taking notes. I'm noticing this. So just but get your card out and uh, right next to Romans 12 1 through 5 right there I want you to draw a heart. And that's a reminder to revisit this during the week. And just read those scriptures for yourself and see what God says to you about putting that gift into use with the right heart. But I'll summarize for you just really quickly so you can kind of get the the feel for what you're going to see. In verse 1, the Apostle Paul, who wrote this letter to the Roman church, um, begs and warns the church to have the right heart. He pleads with them, it says, to surrender their whole selves to God as a living sacrifice, an act of worship. Um, Sounds like if he had to beg them and plead with them that maybe they were struggling with this a little bit, just like we do sometimes, right? It's, It's hard to surrender your whole self and be a living sacrifice, doing whatever God wants. Uh, But it's important. He starts the chapter with that urgency. And then there are the two verses that are the um, don't do that verses. Uh, He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Just don't do that. Don't do that. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. 
In other words, we have to make a choice. It's not automatic. We have to let God change us. We have to let him change how we think. We have to participate in that. And then he gave a warning, another don't do that. He said, don't think you are better than you really are. Don't do that. He said, be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. This is because when we discover what our gifts are, sometimes we can get a little puffed up. We kind of prideful. Oh, that's my special gift, you know. And we can use it in a way that might run people over or be unkind or unthinking about what's best for the whole body. So he says, don't think that way. Don't do that. And then in verses 4 and 5, he says, all of us are equally valued and all the gifts are equally valued. And he compares us to a body. You know, the whole body of Christ. Like some of us would be the arms and the legs and whatever else, but we all work together to support each other and to function in unique and necessary ways. So the body of Christ, Matt Bateman taught on this to the edge kids a couple of weeks ago. And he used the illustration of, you know, your nose. Think about your nose. Your nose is there so it can sniff things out and so it can filter things. And I'm sure he had some really gross examples to go with that because he's working with the edge kids, right? But your nose can also be used, if you're really desperate, it can be used to push things around, right? I mean, you could nudge something around with your nose if you really tried hard. But is that the highest and best use of your nose? No, it's made for sniffing. And in the same way, our, our part in the body of Christ is unique and we can work in the other areas if we have to. And sometimes God calls us to do that. But our highest and best use is the way God created us, uniquely with that motivational gift. God loves the church. And we serve each other best when we have that right heart. We need to be humble. We need to serve one another in love. We need to serve as part of something bigger with love and worship as our motivation. And I'm not sure if I find it comforting or depressing to realize that Paul wrote this 2,000 years ago, and it's still relevant today. <laughs> we still need it. We still need all of this advice and these warnings and the do not do this and all of that. As a new believer, I came into the church and I thought, oh, at last, I'm going to be with perfect people. And <laughs> relationships will be so easy because we all love God. Oh. And it is funny. I heard you laugh. Okay. It's funny. But at the time, I was so shocked and I was so just crushed when I was hurt in the church. It was awful. Yeah. And I, I wanted to run away from the church. I wanted to be away from all those messy churchy people. And it was like, you know, just you and me, God, you and me, you and me. That's how it's going to be. But then I listened to a teacher on Praise 106.5 who had some very wise and radical and crazy things to say. And the first thing he said, now wait for it. He said, people are messy. <laughs> and that means the church is sometimes messy. Yeah. And I thought, oh. He said, people aren't called to be in church because they are all together or good or obedient they're called to be in church because they're not. Says the church is a place where needy people gather. So God has only one family, and that family is represented on this earth by the church. We are his family. He said, it's my family, 
and it's your family. Sometimes I'm not so proud of you. Sometimes you're not so proud of me. But it's a family kind of thing. And that helped me get things in perspective and to come back and want to be a part of this messy but beautiful body of Christ. We are messy, we are needy, and we need each other. Our gifts are being given to build each other up into better understanding, better being, better serving, better living, all to bring glory to God, to represent him. And that's why God gave us these motivational gifts, because he loves the church. And then there's the third reason God gives us motivational gifts, because he loves the world. He loves the world. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. Wow, God so loves the world. It's wonderful. God wants to seek and save the lost, and he wants to use us to help with that. He wants the church, he wants us to accomplish this. He wants us to learn about our gifts, and by learning about our gifts and putting them into use, we are an essential part of God's plan that he's working to draw people to him. Wonderful. Your life is like a billboard promoting God's goodness and his mercy and that he loves even messy people. But we need to be careful about what's displayed on our billboard. That's why this gift list is, is in the middle of Romans 12. And it's on one side, there's this stuff about your heart, how you should handle the gifts with the right heart. And then in verses 9 through 21, it talks about the right attitude, the right attitude we should have. So in your notes where it says Romans 9 through 21, because I'm not going to read them all today, I want you to draw a smiley face or maybe a frowny face, depending on your general attitude, (laughs) to remind you these are the attitude passages, and you need to revisit that during the week. Invite a friend to help you. It might be fun to check your attitude. I have some people in my life here in this church that I've given permission um, to ask me when they see me after they say hello. um, They say, how is your attitude? And I'll tell you, sometimes when I see them coming, I want to go the other way. (laughs) Because I think, oh, here I go again, you know. But that's good. And we should do that for us, for each other. We need to do that for each other. We need to help each other learn and grow and do better. That's what it's all about. Yep. Um, So some of the things in these passages, they say, um, love each other. That's a basic, right? It says, work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Live in harmony with each other. And don't think you know it all. Oh. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Those are things that will correct your attitude if you're kind of using them as your yardstick to measure where you are. Study those passages before and after the gifts so that you have the right heart and the right attitude because we need to exercise our gifts with the right heart and the right attitude or the world will not want what we have, right? They won't want it. And that would be tragic Because God so loves the world. So, now on to the seven motivational gifts. 
And there in your program, you have a card with the seven motivational gifts listed and a little description and some scriptures that you can study during the week. As we go through the list, if a gift seems to be yours, really resonates with you, put a check in the box by it so you remember to look back there. If you're one of those folks who just can't commit, just put a circle around the box if you think you're close. That's okay. That's all right. It's okay. So, one commentator said our motivational gifts are like eyeglasses. Eyeglasses that God prescribes just for you. They're uniquely made, uniquely tailored, and um, and filtered and focused so that you see things a certain way, differently than anybody else. They're not like the the cheaters that I use, you know, the one-size-fits-all thing. I buy them in bulk. You might see... (laughs) You might see them on my, in my pocket and on my face and on my head all at the same time. I don't know. They're just, they're just one size fits all. But th- these glasses, these spiritual glasses, are especially for you. You don't want to take them off. They're just part of who you are. Uh, so we're going to look at these gifts, these seven gifts, and we're going to see what kind of lenses you look through if you have a different gift. Okay. So the first one is to prophesy. We call this the perceiver gift. The Greek word means to speak forth, to proclaim or preach the word of God. It can also be the ability to sense truth from error in a way more keenly than other people do, to discern good from evil. Now, we should all be able to do that to a degree, right? But these people are super motivated. They just can't help themselves. They want to proclaim this. They want to speak out truth and call people into account when they're not living the way they should. And this is not finger-wagging, you know, not scolding. This is driven by a concern for us, for the church, and for the world. That's what that perceiver gift is about. It gives them boldness and a sense of urgency that goes beyond their comfort zone. So how to use it? Romans 12, 6 says, If this is your gift, you're to use it with as much faith as God has given you, with confidence in him, not in yourself. Your words don't carry the power. It's the power of the Holy Spirit speaking through you. That's what it's all about. Sometimes um, those words will impact people, and other times they seem to bounce off, but never doubt that God is using them. Now, sometimes when I'm praying for someone, God will give me insight. I mean, that's one of my gifts is the perceiver gift. And I'll be praying with somebody, and I suddenly just know what the issue behind the issue is. And it's not always what they've asked for. So sometimes I feel like God wants me to speak that out and to confront it and say, hey, let's pray this way. Other times I'm just supposed to be silent and pray and intercede for them. I don't know how that works, but that's what God does through me. And I've seen Suzanne Smith, who used to um, lead our grief share ministry, I've seen her operate in this gift too when she's helping people process their grief. Just help them get it out and process that pain. And many of the people who pray before and during the services, I'd say Lori and, and Summer and others, who intercede for us, who know how to pray, they're operating in that gift. They're operating in that gift for your sake and mine during our services. And it's a beautiful thing to see. The next gift is serving. Some translations call this the ministering gift. They see things through a lens of how can I help? How can I help? They, they see practical needs. 
they see ways that need um, things that need to be filled and done that we don't always see. They want to come alongside and they want to take care of the detail that people overlook. And, and people with this serving gift, they often downplay it. They don't think it's very important. They'll say things like, well, doesn't everybody see that? Didn't they know there was a need there? Right? No big deal. You know, but it is a big deal because it's a high calling. It is a high calling. It's your act of worship. And God planted that within you if that's your serving gift. If you have that gift, um, it's very special. And people with this gift at their core can't help themselves. They're just driven to do it. How to use it if you have this gift. Verse 7 says you are to use this gift to serve well, meaning you should be all in. You should be all in if you have this gift and it's driving you. I could list hundreds of people who demonstrate this gift because obviously on Sunday mornings we have a lot of people with that gift in action. But I wanted to mention Brandon Van Beek. He once told me he could feel God pulling on his heart even when he and Kimberly first started attending North County. They'd only been here a couple of times and he could just feel this pull. But he didn't do anything about it. He avoided that until he took the shape class. And then he said, I didn't want to sit on the sidelines anymore. He said, "Um, it's great to be a part of a team and meet new people, but what is best is that we were created to serve God. And so by serving others, you just feel good. So Brandon and Kimberly are all in, no matter where they serve in our church, and they serve in many places. So teaching is the next gift. People with this motivational gift see through the lens of the need for people to learn and grow in the word of God. Now, they're teachers, they're instructors, but they're also people who love to learn. I mean, they'll research for hours and uh, go down rabbit trails, but their, their motivation, their desire is to handle the word of God in a right way. They just can't help themselves. They're driven to do it. Now, are we all teachers at times? Yes. I mean, many of us with kids have taught our kids how to tie their shoes. Maybe we've, maybe in other arenas we've trained co-workers. Sometimes in a Bible study you're asked to be a table leader or even to lead the Bible study, and you'll do it because it's a hole that needs to be filled, but it's not that big of a deal to you. But some people are driven. They are driven to teach and to bring out the word of God. So how to use this gift if it's yours? Verse 7 says simply, you are to teach well. In other words, with excellence, do it well. Do it with excellence. And we have so many gifted teachers in our congregation. Three are leading classes this summer. Jan Defoe and Steve Greenhaw and Ron Hendricks. And they're all motivated to prepare and to study and to get ready so they can come and teach you how to understand the Word of God and then how to apply it to your lives. It's wonderful. And I just have to mention, um, all these people I'm mentioning, I didn't ask their permission ahead of time. I didn't want them to tell me no. So, so some have come to church today and gone, what? Oh. But, but it's true. I see it. I see those gifts alive in them. So the gift of encouragement or exhortation sees clearly the need to come alongside. That's the next gift, the gift of encouragement more exhortation. They want to come alongside. They want to encourage and strengthen people by comforting and instructing and sometimes correcting. Where we might see challenges, these people see opportunities. Okay, They're motivated to motivate other people and to come alongside them so they can be better. So how to use this gift? 
Verse 8 says, you are to encourage in an encouraging way. That's not very helpful, is it? (laughs) In an encouraging way. In other words, a way that builds someone up, inspires, boosts courage, um, and lifts them up when when they're down. I often observe Mike Moore's using this gift when he serves on Sunday mornings. Last week in our volunteer prayer time, Mike was so excited to share with us that he's developed this habit in his life where he reads the Bible every morning at breakfast while he's eating his cereal. And does that. But he said when he was younger, he used to read the cereal boxes. And he said, this is much better. <laughs> this is so much better. And isn't it awesome how God has grown and changed me? I've grown and changed. Here's evidence. And, and so we all kind of laughed. And yeah, that's right. And then it inspired my husband Paul to say, hey, you know what else? We used to be really concerned about the prize inside the cereal box, but now we're concerned about the prize inside the scripture. That's what we look for. And it made everybody smile and laugh even more, and we left our prayer time with everybody smiling and and eager to go out and serve. It was just fun, super encouraging. And Mike's comments like that are often what I would call a spark of joy, just a spark of joy. And it, it just flows from him. He can't help it. That motivates him, and that's how he served. That's, that is the encouraging gift. But sometimes God will send us somebody with that gift, not to bring a smile to our face necessarily, but because we're low. Yeah. We are so low. We've been pushed down. And they'll pray for us. They'll help us correct our thinking. And they'll just encourage us to get back up Amen. and try again. That gift is so important. It's not all about smiles. It's so much more, and it's so important. The next gift is giving. People with this gift see through the lens of generosity, and they are so motivated to share what they have, whether it's money or time or stuff. They want to show God's love in tangible ways. That's how they feel they can show God's love. They make sacrifices. Some of them live very simply or manage their finances super well so that they have the ability to give more. That's what motivates them. They're just driven that way. Now, we're all called to give. That's just something God asks us to do. Acts 20, 35 points out that every believer is to be a giver. But not every believer is motivated to give like these people with this motivational gift. It's powerful within them. Now, how to use this gift if it's yours? You are to give generously, lavishly, without double motives or hypocrisy. So in other words, no expectations. You just give. Givers might hand over their coat in winter to somebody who needs one. I've heard stories of that. Givers might show up on somebody's doorstep and anonymously leave a bag of groceries because the Holy Spirit told them they need that. I've heard from people who have been blessed in that way. And there's a young girl in our, our church, fifth grader, who recently made cookies and sold them on the street outside her house to raise money because she heard about kids in Africa who needed help. Wow. That is the gift of giving. And what else the gift of giving does? It, it inspires the rest of us. Don't stories like that inspire us? You know, and I think that's why our church is so generous because we do have givers, people motivated by that gift here, but we are also inspired to give. That's why our missions program is so healthy and our care ministry and the Christmas gift 
that program where we bless the community is such a powerful thing. Isn't it lovely to be part of that? But some people are motivated to be the driving force, to be the givers in our church body. Now, leading people with this gift, see through the lenses of what needs to be done and how can I do it better. They're about organizing, delegation, leadership. They see those things and they're motivated to step in and help out. That's what they do. They're good at calling other people into action. They're often surprised that nobody else has seen how things could run better. (laughs) They just think, what's wrong with people? Don't they see this? Um, Yeah, there's so many leaders in our church, and they serve in different ways. You know, we wear the gifts differently. So there are some who serve whole masses of people as leaders. They're the leaders of a whole group of people. There are other people who serve very quietly behind the scenes taking care of things that you might not even know about. And it's wonderful. So how to use this gift? If you have this gift, you're called to lead with diligence, an eagerness and decisiveness toward action, and you have a responsibility to act with right motives, love, and building up the church for God's glory. You definitely need to lead in the right way with the right heart and the right attitude or you can lead people astray or even drive them away. Those are things that can happen. Now, Rose Crabtree is somebody who came to mind as I was writing this, and she's somebody who leads in many ministries in the community and here in the church. And some of them are very visible, and some of them are quieter and behind the scenes. And I had um, the pleasure of being blessed by Rose's gift when I was organizing something and I had run it a certain way that thought I thought it was fine (laughs) but Rose saw how it could be much better (laughs) and she came to me and she just kind of stepped alongside me and said would you mind if I just kind of stepped in and organized this for you and I oh sure and it was so much better and she managed it for a season and then she handed it off and stepped away that was her, that's the way her gift works. She just is driven. She can't help it. She can't see something and not step in and help fix it. That's her motivational gift. So last but not, definitely not least is the gift of kindness. Kindness, also known as the gift of compassion or mercy. Motivated by this gift, people see the lonely, the hurt, and the broken, and the needy. And it just impacts them in a deeper way than most of us. And they're drawn to remove their misery however they can. Now, we're all supposed to be kind to one another, of course. But these people, it goes deeper. They can't help it. They see it through it. They see through this lens things that we don't see. They tend to always look for the good in people and the potentialities in people. And they're driven to look for ways to help. So how to use it? If you have this gift, use it gladly. That's, that's one of the clues that it might not be your gift if you're helping alleviate misery and you're not glad about it. Okay? Maybe you're doing a good thing, but it's not your motivational gift. Okay? So you do it gladly. Some translations say with joyous abandon. I've seen this gift at work in Janice Bigelow, who's a member of our visitation team. Every member of our visitation team has done such wonderful things. They just just bring friendliness and connection to people who can't make it to church. 
That's what they do. They see that need. Um, she'll stop by the office and say, who can I go visit? It's wonderful. Uh, Mary Ellen Boss leads a team of people who feed the homeless once a month. That's her motivation. She's just motivated to help with that. She, she just is driven. And then some of our greeters, like Ed Conley and some others, um, who are generally very quiet people, are serving and handing out your programs or just shaking your hand or finding a seat, whatever. But the whole time, his spiritual radar is up. And he can sense when somebody is really hurting, even though they look fine on the outside. I don't know how he does it. And sometimes he's moved then to just pray silently for that person as they walk by. And other times he'll, he'll come and get me or someone else and say, would you go find, I just saw this person, would you go just introduce yourself and see if they'd like prayer? It's beautiful. That's his gift of mercy alive. And it's so essential. There's so many others of you who serve in this way. I can see some of you nodding your heads as I'm talking like, yeah, that's me, that's me. And others patting, that's you, that's you. (laughs) So those are the seven motivational gifts. And the most difficult part of this whole message has been to come up here and not be able to name every single one of you who works in their motivational gifts. And I see it and I know it. It's so hard to leave you out, and I'm sorry. But the easy part is to stand up here and be able to say to you, thank you, thank you. I feel such gratitude, um, overflowing joy, knowing that some of you have stepped outside of your comfort zone and allowed God to use your motivational gift here in the body of Christ, out in the community, in your workplaces, in your family, because it matters. It matters to the whole kingdom. And we're almost out of time. And some of you are probably saying to yourself, okay, I think I know what my spiritual gift is, what my motivational gift is. Now what do I do? What do I do? And I'd say, let me know about it. Let us know about it. Put it on your communication card. We have these cards out in the commons called crew cards, and they just kind of list a lot of our ministries, and you can see if there's something that matches your passion and write your motivational gift on that card with your name and everything, and we'll get in touch with you. We would love to get you plugged in. We would love to meet with you and pray with you and help you discover what you should do with your gift. Others may be saying, now wait a minute, they're the ones who circled the square, you know, the little check Yeah, I'm just not sure. I'm not sure what my motivational gift is. And that's okay. That's fine. That's why we're here too. We're here to help you discover that. We would love to help you walk through one of our um, longer tests, not the online test, but some other tests that might give you a better idea. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to um, dream a little bit and see what, what do you think about this. Take the shape seminar this fall when it comes up. That's a great way to discover your gift and how it fits in the body of Christ. Um, but most importantly, spend time in your Bible. Because God makes it pretty easy for us if we are in tune with him, if we know who he is, if we've been trained to know his voice and understand who he is, it's there for us. He will guide us. Billy Graham has these encouraging words. He says, I believe a person who is spirit-filled, constantly submitting to the lordship of Christ, will come to discover his gifts with some degree of ease. It's pretty easy if we are in tune with God. He wants God to guide in his life, and that is the kind of person God stands ready to bless by showing him the gifts the Holy Spirit has bestowed upon him. So remember remember those seeds that are activated by fire, right? Well, maybe some of you need that fire. 
I mean, have you invited, have you asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life? Have you submitted to Christ? That's the first thing. And if you have, have you allowed and invited the Holy Spirit to activate that gift within you so it will sprout and grow? Hmm. You need it. You need that because it needs to burn away all the old stuff, all your old ways of thinking and doing so that it can be active and growing. Now, in a moment, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I would love it in kindness to one another if everybody would speak it aloud so that nobody feels self-conscious about saying it, especially if it's their first time. By speaking it together, no one will feel left out. We'll all be together. If you've already committed your life to Christ, maybe this will just affirm it for you. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit to have his way. You know, so it's just a, a wonderful thing to do, do together. Romans 10, verses 9 through 10 says, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. And when we pray together, there's something beautiful and holy and precious about that togetherness. So let's pray together. Dear God, thank you for not abandoning me. I know that I am a sinner, and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. I believe he died for my sins, and you raised him to life. I choose today to trust him as my Savior and follow him as Lord. I gratefully lean in to your mercy and grace I thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit, and I invite him now to guide my life and reveal your plans for me so I can do your will. In the name of Jesus, amen. Wow, thank you for doing that with me. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, that's awesome, and we want to know about it. We would appreciate so much if you would come forward for prayer after the service. If you're shy, write it on your communication card, and we'd love to get in touch with you. We have some things for you, um, some gifts that will help you understand your giftedness, your, your new life in Christ, and to walk forward in that way. And if you already knew Christ is your Lord and Savior, we want to know about that too. We want to celebrate with you. Okay, That was a victory. That was a victory. So please, again, come forward for prayer or put it on your communication card, and we'll get in touch with you. Now, we're ready to celebrate these new beginnings, and our deeper understanding of our motivational gifts by worshiping together in this last song. So I'd really love it if everybody would just stand up and enter in fully to this song in worship, thanking God for what he's done, and participating in the act of worship if you feel led to give of your tithes and your offerings. Thank you.